bullets. Um, okay, so I have, welcome everyone to Shackfunk. Today's reading is going to be from the Halo Dick. Uh, no, not dictionary. I already screwed it up. From, it's from today's from the no, Halo Dick. I wish it was the Halo Dictionary. This is from the Halo Encyclopedia. Uh, gather around, children, and we're going to have a reading from the Halo Encyclopedia in stores now. Um, this comes from Yay. page 251 of the Halo Encyclopedia. An entry titled The Priest, who is one of the species known as the elites, or also known as the Sangheili in their own tongue. Um, the priest is 7 foot 11, and he weighs 355 pounds from the planet Sanghelios, and he was born on October 31st, 2519. Born into the highly esteemed Sumai Keep, Uze Taham was fathered by one of the preeminent sword fighters of his age, Toha Sumai. During the throes of the Great Schism, Taham quickly sided with the Arbiter and the Sangheili who fought with the humans against the Covenant. Alongside Ntho Sarom, Taham joined the hybrid team of Sangheili and human operatives on a mission that took them back to the Forerunner Ark, a, a perilous journey that would galvanize his desire to forge and cultivate strategic alliances. After the dissolution of the Covenant, Taham has acted as a valued liaison between several Sangheili factions, feuding keeps, and even humanity. He was instrumental in the revival of the ancient ascetic guard, an orthodox order of warrior priests central to the restoration of pre-covenant traditions among the Sangheili. Taham also helped establish the Riftborn, a special operations division of the Swords of Sangheilios, fully committed to joint military operations with the UNSC. These hand-selected operatives maintain a local present presence on Anvil Station. When does Spider-Man come in? Uh, he doesn't. Oh, shit. No, th this is set in the year 2500, and even Spider-Man 2099 is long dead by then, so... Yeah. Until we're introduced to the Spider-Man of the 2500s, uh, we probably won't see him, but... I don't know, I mean, I guess it's possible that there's a Spider-Man around in the Spartan forces somewhere. Yeah, what about, um... Uh, Captain America 2500. How about that? Does he come in anywhere? Mm. Um, I mean, I haven't seen anybody with an amazing shield in Halo. There are a lot of energy swords, and you know, this book breaks down all the different varieties of energy swords because there's, there's more than one. So we can get Deadpool in here. Mm. <laughs> Liven it up a bit. Yeah, I mean, the book is pretty cool, but also Halo lore is dense, and I don't know if I'd say it's more gibberish than Star Wars. It it definitely, the comparison can be made of which one is more bonkers. Well, I, I feel like, at least with Star Wars, you, you have a nice base to work off of because it started as a movie. Mm. Um, where you actually get to see parts of the world instead of Halo, where... Um, it, at least it doesn't seem like you do. <laughs> like, you, you get put into the action, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, Halo, there's a lot of, I guess it's kind of like Elden Ring, where there's a lot of implied lore in, like, the scenery of, you know, like, the, like the games don't get into what it means if, a, you know, the, the different 
alien covenant guys are wearing different colors or styles of armor hmm. even though like this book breaks down like all the ranks and roles that those different armor pieces indicate like as far as the game's concerned it's just it's that species has a certain fighting style and like different weapons that they will use which changes game to game they you know by halo infinite the covenant seems just as comfortable using human weapons as the humans are using covenant weapons um there's like grunts running around with shotguns in infinite <laughs> but yeah. i yeah i i have i have a vague understanding of what any of this means mm. but also i'm into things that are a lot stupider so I'm not mm. gonna criticize or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's there's a lot of implied stuff with just like the Halo and the technologies of the Halo, which they say come from the Forerunners. And it wasn't until like Halo Four that the games even really addressed like what the Forerunners were or where they went. Um, you know, it was just kind of implied that they all died, but that isn't exactly the case and. You know, the deeper you dig into the novels and the comics that I have, I haven't read. I just know that there's, you know, a whole lot of shit that they piled <laughs> into those that um, occasionally peeks its way out into the games, but it it gets really confusing. There's just so many like lore things that people have added to Halo over time that all still get honored, which is cool. Because, you know, like, as a deep lore Star Wars fan, that's what I wish Star Wars would keep doing instead of resetting everything. But as not a deep lore Halo fan, it, it is, like, too much to keep track of with all the stuff they do. And then um, Master Halo um, shows his ass in the TV show and everybody gets mad. Yeah. I mean, they got mad because they showed his face, not his ass, but also he did show his ass, so... Yeah, no, I don't know what the reaction was to him showing his ass on screen. Um, probably a lot of people showing their ass online. Mm. You know, but like figuratively. Instead yeah. of... Uh... No, not not like actually showing pictures of their ass side by side next to Master Chief and asking people to rate who has the better butt. No, that would actually be kind of cool. <laughs> mm. Yeah, there's just like a meme of like, you know, like left or right, pick one. You know, who's got the better ass, me or Chief? <laughs> that should be the reaction whenever there's an ass shot um, and a thing like that. Mm. But no, I, I bet it was just a lot of people screaming into the void. Maybe. I mean, he shows his face in episode one. I think anyone who was upset by that probably dropped off after episode one. No, they watched it so they could hate it. I guarantee it. Yeah, some of them, yeah. Me. I, I've only seen the first episode because they put it up for free on YouTube and I don't want to pay for Paramount Plus because there's nothing I want to see on Paramount Plus. What does Paramount own that is like really popular? I mean, I think the Star Trek stuff is all on there, which I, I, like, I might, if there was a convenient way to watch Lower Decks, I might give Lower Decks another shot. I've only seen like the first episode of that because 
I guess first one's free is Paramount's strategy to getting people in, as, you know, they'll let people watch the first episode of stuff, but you gotta pay to watch the rest. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna try to open a streaming service at this point, I, I think you, like, need some kind of hook. Yeah, I think the main things they have is, like, um, like, Star Trek and, you know, all the other CBS stuff, and, like, all the Nickelodeon stuff. Do they have Young Sheldon? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what network that's on. I, yeah, I have no idea. Um, I mean, I know they've got Nickelodeon stuff, and there's, like, a new CG SpongeBob prequel series on there or something. What? Yeah, yeah, Camp Coral. It's a show about Sponge, like young SpongeBob and young Patrick and Sandy and everyone at like an undersea like summer camp, I guess. The third movie they did was kind of a like pilot for that because it's like that one's mostly about just Gary gets lost again. SpongeBob has to go rescue him. Um, but they also have like flashback scenes to this summer camp, which is this spin-off series that they're doing. But they met Sandy as an adult. This is not lore friendly. Yeah. yeah oh yeah, it's SpongeBob. They don't care. <laughs> um I think there was also I don't know if it's out yet. There was supposed to be a Patrick show. Like Patrick is getting his own sideshow. Well he is a star. Yeah. I I mean I I guess it was inevitable, but like I still don't understand why mm. <laughs> like I, I know I know the the tangible reason why right because they they merchandise and, and money and stuff I like I get that but like why specifically this yeah and I know like even like the old Spongebob episodes are at least a lot of them are available through Amazon Prime for free so it's not like Paramount Plus has a lockdown on those and even like Avatar The Last Airbender, you know, like the Netflix, like Netflix was doing the live action series, I think. It's not a Paramount thing, so. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what they're doing. I don't even know the status on that either. Mm. Like, I, I I'm sure when it comes out, everyone will complain for a week and then forget about the show. Yeah. I mean, I don't. What's, what, what's the last. Netflix show that people like got really excited about because I can't think of one like recently. Uh, if there was, it must not be spoken in the same breath as Netflix because I haven't heard of anything identified as Netflix that people have really liked. Because like I, I, I feel like like since the last season of BoJack Horseman, like I haven't heard anything about anything that they've done. Well, like maybe mm. maybe Tiger King. I don't even remember if that was before or after. Yeah, uh, well, there was that um, League of Legends show. I don't remember the name of it. Oh, was that Netflix? Uh, Arcane, I think. I think that was Netflix. Oh, wasn't okay. It? Yeah, that's very popular. Yeah. Okay, I might be wrong then. Yeah, I know they announced a couple years ago they were working on a Magic the Gathering show, and I don't know what's going on with that. They got the Magic, they didn't get to the Gathering. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Yeah, 
So this is a week where neither of us really has a lot of topics, so we're just gonna be shooting the shit for however I, long, I guess. I played Pokemon, and I played Horse and Sword Bannerlord. <laughs> okay. Uh, is that another name for Elden Ring? or No, it's uh, Mountain Blade. Oh. Okay. I think I talked about it like a year ago. Um, it, it's... I, I think it's still in early access, but there's a, like a lot of uh, like actual stuff there now. Mm. So I, I got into it, and uh, uh, it's it's really good if you want like a medieval warfare fantasy thing or a simulation thing. I mean, mm. Like I, I never knew how much I wanted to lead a cavalry charge until I did it, and then it was really fun. Mm. And then you trampled all the orcs on your way to Minas Tirith. And... I. Somebody's got to make a Lord of the Rings uh, mod for that, and when they do, I'll play it. Mm. Like it, it's. It's relatively small scale, kind of like Lord of the Rings, you know, like you're not commanding like thousands of uh, troops at once. It's like a couple hundred at most, um, okay. which is kind of like it, it, at least how the movies um, portray the, the battles of Middle-earth, right? Like mm. may, maybe a couple thousand at most. Yeah, well, like enough to make it so you're feels like you're in the action instead of like an rts and you're just pushing these armies of ants into each other yeah yeah like mount and blade is kind of like a a, you probably never played a um total war game but no i've played pikmin yeah that that it's not that different (laughs) Mm. i i mean it it is but (laughs) I mean, like, just as far as, uh, you know, like, I mean, essentially creating an army and then, um, like, strategically using them to beat other people up. Uh, Mm. But, yeah, like... But can you pull them out of the ground and put them into a spaceship? No... Uh, <laughs> or send them to collect giant like Duracell batteries to carry back to your base. You can send them to uh, like do jobs for you that people will pay you for. Okay. So like you could you could pick up like just um, notable people can like companions kind of like in a fallout game um Mm. and you can give them you can give them some troops and uh have them do tasks for you that like important people ask you to do and then they'll pay you money Mm. um it's usually just quicker to do it yourself but whatever it still works yeah, well, you got other important stuff to do. Yeah, like Somewhere. run around in circles um, and try to grind your um, royal family's renown so mm. you, you can actually mm-hmm. 
do anything. Yeah, you build up your running stats by running in a circle while <laughs> they go off and do the work. <laughs> That's barely even a joke. Because, like, if, like, if you're on a horse or on foot, you do get um, experience, um, either riding experience or athletic experience by just, like, moving around the map. Mm. So like, yeah, it's it, it's the Skyrim strategy. Yeah, it 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 really is. Um, you can go punch a tree a thousand times, and now you're pisser stronger. <laughs> <laughs> no, this time it's like murder a thousand people with a, a spear, and now you you have level eighty seven spearing. Mm. Or like. Just keep your army happy, and now you have level 100 um, leadership or whatever. Mm. Max out your friendship meter. Yeah, you you can become friends. Oh, you could actually marry um, into like mm. a, a different royal family. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I gotta get all the extra money. So yeah, yeah, medieval diplomacy simulator. Mm. Oh, because you, you you could actually um, like. Marry off your children and siblings too, uh, for uh, I don't know diplomacy points or whatever. Right, so, so if you get bored with uh, riding horses around in fields and stuff, you can get married, make some kids, send your kids off to be married, and then I guess make more kids, and then arrange marriages for their kids. Yeah. Yeah, just make it a kind of twisted romance game. <laughs> where it's all about the money. I don't I don't you know have multiple how... mar- like marry multiple people so you can get even more children who you then send out to get married and get you more money. <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe you can. I don't mm. I don't know. I haven't like maybe if it won't let you have multiple spouses, then you kill your spouse and you get another spouse. And you know, once the baby factory is all dried up, then uh, you kill that one and get another one. I I don't think Keep it coming. works like that, but um, it would be interesting if it did. I haven't really delved into it too much. Um, or if it won't let you have multiple spouses, I guess you just fill the town up with bastard children from all your illegitimate couplings. <laughs> like a real medieval royal. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that what you're what you're describing is more Crusader Kings than Mountain Blade. Okay. Where you, you can like have but it your has horse. Mountain the title. <laughs> That's why I call it Horse and Sword Banner Lord. Mm. <laughs> because it's more fun to say. Say it. Yeah, those people get confused with that cop show, Mount and Blade. (laughs) Detectives. One of them's hard edged, and one of them's the the nice cop. Yeah, I. Together and solve crimes. I think Mount and Blade is even more threatening as a a verb than (laughs) than, than it is as a noun. Although I guess if it's Mount and Blade, we already have a Blade, and that's, you know, the Vampire Hunter. So we yeah. just need a guy named Mount to team up with Blade, and that can be Mount and Blade. 
What about the mountain from Game of Thrones? That's a thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess they're both ruthless. So, if anything, Blade is probably the more reasonable of the two. If it's the mountain and Blade. Let's see. So, the mountain and Blade. Who would they fight? Like uh, medieval vampires, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there are, like, supernatural elements of, you know, Westeros, so, and I can't remember, I think the mountain, like, died and got returned as a zombie or something, <laughs> so, yeah, there's your supernatural edge, they could fight, uh, vampire dragons or something. That's a thing and something, but I can't remember what. I know Magic the Gathering has some vampire dragons. Because there's one that I put in my vampire deck when I realized it was subtype vampire. Wait, so like actual vampire dragons, not even just like zombie oh, dragons? Yeah. Nope. It yeah, there there is a car. I can't remember the name of it. It's from Kaldheim, and its subtypes are vampire and dragon. So huh. it's a, a vampire. It's a red black vampire dragon. That's cool. Yeah, magic is cool. I should continue to not care about it mm. anymore <laughs> yeah it, it's cool but it's expensive if you fall down that rabbit hole so yeah i i can't recommend it based on that like like four years ago i decided i don't want any more stuff so mm. i i think that's a good idea that i not yeah um get several binders full of playing cards that i will never play with Mm. Oh, I'm I'm way past binders at this point. <laughs> it's just boxes and boxes and <laughs> piles of loose shit that I plan to sort eventually. And... You have in real life loot. Mm. I have an in real life version of Smaug's Cave. If all the gold coins were like nerd toys, and I just <laughs> have to climb over the piles of them anytime I want to get anywhere. Jade, you're my favorite Benedict Cumberbatch. I just want to let you know that. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of, we've got Doctor Strange 2 coming out in like a week. Oh, yeah, Doctor Strange at the Mountains of Madness or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Doctor Strange in the Mouth of Madness featuring the return of Patrick Stewart as Professor X, which we don't have to say spoilers for now because it's in the trailer. Yay. That's... They show like a brief glimpse in the trailer. He's going to have a yellow metal <clears throat> wheelchair, like in the cartoon. So we'll see how that looks. I guess. What What if it's canonically the Professor X from the cartoon? Maybe. I mean, on the one hand, it's cool that they're bringing him back. On the other hand, Patrick what, Stewart's what getting really old, <laughs> so it's not like he's gonna be around as Professor X for the next X-Men saga, I assume. That's depressing. Um, like, like they already gave him a good send-off in Logan, so it it's a little eh that they're, you know, bringing him back again. Like, it, it's one thing, like, it's strongly rumored that Ryan Reynolds will appear as Deadpool, and that makes sense because Deadpool 3 is in development, and will probably be set in the MCU, so probably this movie will give the excuse of how Deadpool moved timelines to be in this timeline. Yeah, that that makes sense because they need a 
they need to bring him over somehow. He's like, he's probably the most profitable thing that, well, aside from Spider-Man, the most profitable, mm-hmm. like, franchise. Yeah, the I most think profitable from Fox, own. for sure. Yeah. I was going to say yeah, the most like, profitable one that they don't, that they didn't technically own, but that's still Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, everything they got from Fox, like Fantastic Four, they're already in the process of rebooting. Um, and, like, X-Men was, it was going strong, and even the, even with the prequel stuff, the first two did really, you know, First Class and Days of Future Past did really well. And then Apocalypse fell off a cliff, and nobody cared about Dark Phoenix or New Mutants. So. I didn't even watch Dark Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it that that was one of the one I, I think I think Disney. I don't remember if Disney owned Fox when that one came out, or was just close to owning Fox. I know they put it out in theaters, but nobody really cared. It got pushed back a bunch of times. But it wasn't pushed back as much as New Mutants, because that one was being pushed back when the pandemic hit, and then it got pushed back even more until it just, like, I think it had a theatrical release because it had to, but there weren't, like, any theaters open at the time, so it didn't matter. Was that the one that they kind of just pushed out, like, right before the acquisition so they could get all the money from it? Dark Phoenix, yeah, I think, yeah, they they like pushed it out in like a November or January or something before the acquisition finalized. Yeah, I but, yeah, because otherwise, Deadpool, you know, both of those movies were profitable. And like, not just not just profitable, like they made a lot of money, but. Yeah, like like popular they, they, enough that people want to see that thing continue. Yeah, they they built Deadpool as a brand, like independent yeah. of the the comics, which is something that really nobody has been able to do except for um, the MCU movies. Really? Yeah, I mean, like Sony with Spider Man, people were really into the Raimi trilogy. The Andrew Garfield ones quickly went off a cliff, and everything else they've done. Even now, like, you know, should we talk about the El Muerto movie that they've announced (laughs) based on a Spider-Man, I guess, villain or anti-hero who appeared in, like, two comics in the mid-2000s? Somebody has to talk about it. Why not us? Yeah. Our expert Spider-Man opinions are, I I don't know about you, I've never heard of this guy, and I don't care. I, I know about Big Wheel. I know about the Wall. I've never heard of um, what El El Yeah, yeah. Morta. I mean, like okay. at least like Morbius. Nobody cared about Morbius, but at least with Morbius, you could say he's been in definitely the '90s cartoon, probably some of the other cartoons. So people would have heard of him from the cartoons. He, he was in one of the versions of the Spider-Man 3 video game. <laughs> yeah. He's an extremely minor Spider-Man villain, but he's known enough that he can appear in a cartoon and a video game. Yeah. But El Muerto is like Puma. Is one of those characters that you'd never have heard of unless you saw his picture on like one of those Topps trading cards. Where they have the pictures of, like, every villain. 
And even then, if he's only been in like two issues, I don't know that he would have appeared on one of those either. Yeah, I, I heard people saying that it was probably like the they gave the actor a choice. <laughs> just pick, oh, yeah. this guy looks cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like probably because I think El Muerto is Hispanic. Probably, I mean, he's he's El Muerto. That sounds Hispanic. Yeah. So probably it's a Hispanic actor who said, "Hey, get me a Hispanic character from the Spider Verse," and they looked through all the options they had, and. I guess, you know, he probably, yeah, picked that one from the options he was given. Yeah. It's the kind of thing where even if the movie is good, it would be, like, people would forget it is a comic book movie, unless they really hammer that in. Like, Like Blade? Well, like, the most successful it could be, yeah, I guess, like, something like Blade or something, you know, like the Vin Diesel Bloodshot movie from a couple years ago. That was a thing? yeah i guess it was fine um and it is it's based on an independent comic like it's the kind of thing if it's successful it will be regarded as just oh that was a neat action movie oh it was based on a comic book okay um like nobody's gonna tie it back to spider-man or think of it as like any way essential viewing for spider-man fans well maybe they shouldn't make spider-man villain movies without spider-man in them hmm maybe maybe sony (laughs) yeah i mean i'm sure if you know they'll probably have a credit scene like at the end of morbius where el marto meets vulture and morbius in the desert and they're (laughs) like hey you want to team up and do some good i'm sure spider-man's got something to do with this and he'll say yeah (laughs) <laughs> and that'll be the, the, the teaser that this character that you just met is gonna do some kind of maybe spider-man crossover who knows or cares i i love the idea that there's no like nick fury centralizing figure of this sinister six they just all meet up in the desert randomly <laughs> yeah well I mean, all we have to go off right now is that vulture showed up in another universe he doesn't know how he got there and so he decided to meet up with Morbius in the middle of the desert for some reason and suggest that they team up for some reason. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Nobody saw Morbius. Nobody will know that that happened. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I saw some headline that uh, Jared Leto's uh, blaming... Uh, the studio, like studio interference for the failure of Morbius, that like they had a good movie, but it got like destroyed in editing. No, they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Oh, by the way, um, so in Mountain Blade, like you, you make your own character from scratch. Um, so you want to know what I named it? Uh, uh Jared Leto. Oh, I named my character Lored Jato. <laughs> okay. Of the of the of the Kojer clan. <laughs> hmm. How hard did you method act? Is this character? Um, not at all. Because as far as I know, you can't get tattoos. So, mm. which is a shame. Yeah, actually, that reminds me of this. Uh, the flop ha- so Max Fun, the podcasting network, is doing their pledge drive thing where they also you know upload a bunch of new content for backers. 
So the Flophouse did a commentary for the movie Cats. And one of the jokes they make during it is that if Jared Leto had been in Cats and done his, you know, method acting bullshit, then he would have asked for a uh, litter box on set. So he could just <laughs> shit in front of everyone. <laughs> yeah. Like, you go full cat, he like, shit on the set and lick his own butt. Because and... <laughs> I guess Cats did have, like, training sessions for the actors to learn cat mannerisms so they could like crawl around like cats and stuff oh my God. but they could are have they, gone so much farther with it are they jellical or what mm, they're all I, all jellical i still <laughs> i still don't know what that means and i don't want anybody to try to tell me okay like there is an explanation but i won't tell you because you don't want to know good thank you yeah, yeah. i appreciate you respecting my boundaries Yep. What the um, fuck are we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let's see. Because the other topics... Well, okay, we were talking about Mountain Blade, so I guess video games. Um, Yay. I bought because I, I it looked interesting, and I think Sean was the first one I saw mention. Um, Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe is out on Switch now. Um... And it looked like I'd seen the trailer for it at whatever last Nintendo Direct they did. And it looked fun. So I got it. I think I've played through most of it, but it's hard to tell because it's kind of an open ended game. Um, I don't know. Have you played it? No. I'll explain I, the plot anyway, but I just need to know. I've, I've seen enough of it to get the gist, but I haven't actually played it. Okay. So yeah, so the Stanley Parable and Ultra Deluxe is just the there's some new content they added to it. Um but the game is it's a game you're playing as a guy named Stanley who is in an office building. You start off in your office and you step out of the office and find that all your coworkers have vanished. And there is a narrator who is telling the story of what's going on as you're walking around. Um and there are points where, so like you step out the door, your coworkers are gone, and the narrator says, Stanley's coworkers had all disappeared. Where could they be? And, um, it, it, you know, it's like narrating, like, like, kind of like a fun, friendly, uh, story. Um, but there are, there are points in the story where you can make choices, and the narrator will say, uh, so Stanley came to the, these two open doors, and he took the left door. And you can choose to take the right door, and the narrator will become, like, increase, like, not know what to do about you if you keep defying what he <laughs> says you're supposed to do. But if you follow the narrator's instructions, the story you end up with is that um, Stanley's coworkers all disappeared. He decides to go up to the boss's office and finds the boss has also disappeared, but there's a keypad behind the boss's desk, and the narrator tells you in the form of saying, like, Stanley didn't know that the keypad number was 2845. Um, and then you hit 2845, and then the, it's like, how did Stanley discover that? Um, although, in later runs, because you, after you complete the game, it goes back to the start, and you can keep doing it over and over, and then, like, the narration will change sometimes, depending on what you did the last time, or are doing this time. Hmm. Uh, it's, like, very, like, metatextual, self-aware. Um, 
you know, you, you can't, if you go into that room and you enter the number before he tells you the number, then the narrator will be like, and Stanley was in such a rush that he couldn't let the narrator finish, so I'm going to play some calming new age music while he calms down. <laughs> and it just, like, plays music while you're standing around waiting for the story to continue. <laughs> um, That's pretty good. So, you enter the keypad, a secret door opens up in the side of the office, and Stanley goes in and finds an elevator, which he takes downstairs to a like a hallway where then he finds a door that says mind control room and there's also a side passage that says escape um we'll get to that later but the narrator says you go into the mind control room and you go there and you find like a matrix 2 style big room with tvs everywhere and find out like oh all the offices are being monitored from this mind control room except you know nobody's in any of them because everybody vanished um so you go through the mind control room and take another elevator, I think, up to, like, the central control room. And then there's a master control, and the narrator says that you turn off the mind control machine, so you do. And then everything shuts down, and you walk out a big door, out into an open field, and Stanley is now free of the control of the system for having obeyed everything this narrator told him to do um yeah but the you know because the whole it's like it's an indie game and it's you know the kind of pretension that you get from those about like control and choice but at least unlike some other pretentious indie games this one has a sense of humor about everything it's doing um you know with the the narrator is you know, never really gets that angry with you. It, you know, he'll get like flustered and annoyed that you're going off track, and um, you know, there's just like a lot of discussion about like, like you need, you know, since you are a player in a pre-existing game, you are limited by what the game allows you to do. So like, you're dependent on the narrator to, you know, work with you. F- toward whatever narrative you're going on but at the same time the narrator's dependent on you to follow it because if you don't then the story also falls apart um but there's just there's a lot of fun like side tangents you can go on so like that first door choice if you take the door to the right instead of the door to the left then the narrator says well stanley knew this was the wrong direction but maybe he wanted to check out the lounge before he proceeded up to the boss's office so you take a side hallway and you go into this boring lounge and the narrator comments on how boring the lounge is and how much of a mistake it was to come here and then like a side door opens that you can take to go back to get back on track but also if you take that door there's another elevator you can take there that will take you downstairs where you end up so lost that the narrator creates this like yellow adventure line which is just like it's a line that you follow along the ground and then the line starts going crazy and it like goes up over the walls and upside down and backwards and so you're just he plays like adventure music and you're just chasing this yellow line everywhere to try to get back on track and end up getting so lost that you find the mind control room before you're supposed to be there um (laughs) this you know what this sounds like is um that Looney Tunes sketch where uh, it's uh, like Bugs Bunny versus the artist. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, kinda. Yeah, this is that's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, because then there's like you can if you don't take that hallway or that elevator and you just keep proceeding forward, you go to like a cargo lift room, 
and you can ride the cargo lift which will take you to an area where you end up going into a room where you become like isolated and there's just like a phone and you pick up the phone and it gets I, I don't remember some some weird stuff happens there but also you can jump off the elevator onto like a catwalk and follow that and at that point the narrator gets so flustered that you're going off track all the time that he takes you in, he takes you back to the room with the two doors and creates a third door and you any of the doors it doesn't matter they'll all take you into a room where he's then gonna have like a scale of one to five on buttons so you can rate how much better you felt about having a third choice added to the game <laughs> and then like he creates a new game for you to play which is that there's this big like jpeg of a baby on a stick that's going to be moving toward a big open fire and you can hit a button to push the baby back so that it doesn't go into the fire and you just do that for <laughs> however long you want until you get bored and and then the narrator asks you how much you like that game that it created um <laughs> And yeah, and there's like other branching paths. Like there's a staircase, and he tells you to go up. And if you go down instead, you end up in a basement that's just an infinite loop where you go mad. And then I think it cuts to like an ending where um, Stanley's like dead on the ground, and one of his coworkers sees him and is confused, and then remembers she's late for work and uh, continues to work. Um, and yeah and then so this ultra deluxe version after you've done a few loops and done some different choices and stuff a new door opens up and the narrator you know tells you to go in it you can ignore it but i think it'll just stay there until you choose to go into it on whatever loop um which takes you to like a convention center where he's showing off all the new features they're thinking about putting in well actually i think the first thing that happens is you um you go to like an area where this, like this hut that you, or like a kind of woodsy house that you walk through that has like all the awards and accolades that the first game won while the narrator talks about all <clears throat> the reactions. Like, like at first it's all like the positive critical reactions and then you end up in like a dump where there's all these like Steam user comments complaining about how annoying the narrator is and how pretentious the <laughs> game is. Um... And then, because, like, one of the negative comments said that there should be a skip button so you don't have to listen to the narrator blather on every time, the narrator creates a skip button, and you end up just, like, hitting the button over and over, and time advances forward so far that the room collapses and the narrator dies, and uh, you end up with, like, an open passage to this endless, sprawling desert. Um, you just wander out into the desert and that's the end. Um, and then Fun. after the, after that loop, then new, more new content opens up and that's where you go in a convention center where there's like, um, new features they want to add to the Stanley Parable 2, which is like, I guess all, all the DLC for this ultra deluxe is collectively the second version of the game. Um, and there's like a button that says your name um but the button has only been programmed to say the name jim so if your name is jim then good for you when you push the button and it says jim then you have a button that says your name for everyone else you just have to wait until they pass the rest of the names in 
Um, <laughs> and there's like uh, they, they, they add in collectible trophies because they know people like boring collectibles. See, one of them is just the end of this hallway where they introduce it. It's like here's a trophy. You pick it up. Ta-da! You got it. One. And there's five more hidden throughout the game. And after you go back into the main game, you can find, like, a list where they give a hint where all of them are. And then once you get all of them, then it goes to, like, you know, he takes you back to that cabin. And you get to go through the cabin and relive the excitement of collecting all of those trophies. And then go and relive the excitement of collecting them all a third time. Because the game is just taking the piss out of how dumb collectibles are. Um, it's a lot of meta stuff about game design and you know gamer expectations for you know what what they think is meaningful in a game. Um, and then there's like the most fun part of the new content is that there is the bucket of reassurance, which is just a regular old metal bucket. And you pick it up, and the narrator tells you that you feel a lot more at ease. You know, that you're not as scared of all, like, the the weird things going on, or, like, the difficulty of choosing things, because you have your bucket, so you feel okay. So, once you've got the bucket, then every time you start the loop over, the bucket is there early, and you can pick it up, and it pretty much changes all the dialogue that happens, because the narrator will say... Like, Stanley and his bucket, uh, went, you know, decided to take the left door, and then, you know, you take the right door, and it's like, well, Stanley knew this was the wrong direction, but maybe the bucket had told him to take the right, because the bucket said that the lounge was worth checking out. And, That's awesome. And, yeah, so, like, all of those ending options from the first, you know, like, the original version of the game change based on the bucket. There's, like, one of them where you end up in a house which i think the original version you you go to this like house and the narrator's telling the story about how stanley is depressed and alone and stupid and you know it's just like him stuck in this house uh but when you're in the house with the bucket the narrator is telling the story about how stanley's become too attached to this bucket and so it's like you have to keep finding the bucket in the house and at one point like the you like the, the bedroom opens up and the bucket is sitting on the bed and there's like lit candles everywhere and it's romantic. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, nice. And and also there's like there's in you know pre bucket there is a broom closet that you pre bucket yeah before you go in the bucket timeline there's a. Um, a broom closet that you can go in and if you go in the broom closet then the narrator starts complaining that you're not advancing the story and that you like what are you expecting to find just sitting here in this broom closet um if you take the bucket in there then the broom closet becomes a character at least for the narrator the narrator's describing how like how jealous the broom closet is of your bucket and that it wants to take the bucket from you and you need to protect your bucket from it um and then narrator ends up putting a sticker on the bucket to say property of stanley so you remember that this is your bucket and it's not the broom closet's bucket and then if you go in the broom closet again on a future loop he puts a second sticker on the bucket which is a picture of a bucket so that you know that your bucket is a bucket uh, in case you forgot (laughs) um and also the so the escape path 
before the mind control room. If you take the escape path without the bucket, it you go down a very long hallway where the narrator's saying like, you know, it says escape, but actually it leads to certain death. And at this point, Stanley has walked so far that he's making a conscious choice to die. Um, so yeah, so you get all the way to the end, and then there's like a drop, and you fall down into this like moving. Uh, rig thing which is going to take you into like a metal crusher that'll kill you but once you get up to the crusher a Dark. second narrator steps in and says that so Stanley died and the narrator said oh no and then but you're not dead you're there listening to the second narrator narrating what the original narrator was going to narrate to you when you died and then you get taken into a raw this like kind of museum looking scape where all the um, behind the scenes stuff of like you know what the developers were thinking behind different like rooms and puzzles and ideas and you can just like walk around looking at these like museum displays of behind the scenes stuff so that was pretty cool um, and then when you you know finally decide to exit that it takes you back to the crusher at which point the, the second narrator tells you, that you can avoid death by resetting the game, which you can. You know, you can choose to, you know, just reset back to the start instead of dying. Otherwise, if you die, it resets back to the start, but you died. Um, if you go in there with the bucket, then the it, it plays out pretty much the same, except instead of going into that museum, the bucket disappears and you go into a bucket museum where there's, like, you know, pictures of, like, cave paintings of buckets and their importance to ancient man. There's, like, a picture of a medieval bucket. Um, and then there's your bucket, which is, like, hooked on a crane and it gets, like, lifted up into the sky and then you can walk up some stairs and walk across open air to go get your bucket. Um, and then it takes you back into the crusher where the narrator says that you should let Stanley die so that the bucket can be free. Um, but you can I, choose to reset or be killed. I was matter. not expecting the whole bucket subplot, I gotta say. Yeah, no, the, the bucket is amazing because of how hard they go on making this metal bucket feel like it's important when it is just a bucket that does nothing except change the dialogue in the game. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it just It's legitimately cool. Yeah, so it, I mean, the, the game, it's like 25 bucks, which seems a little expensive for what it is, but it, it was fun, and still, like, there's probably a, a, still a lot of stuff that I haven't found, because it's that kind of game, where it's just different actions have different results. Yeah, like, there's probably some random section where if you just sit around for four minutes, something happens. Yeah, like, I tried that in a few sections, like, you know, if I just stand here, what happens... Like, there's, you know, across from the boss's office, there's, like, a, another room that sometimes it'll open and sometimes it won't. And inside there is an elevator, which when you go, when you push the button and open the elevator, and then push the button to close the elevator, the elevator doesn't change floors or move anywhere, it just plays elevator music and acts as if it's moving. And then when you push the button, when you, you know, done listening to the music... It opens up back to the room that you were in before, so it goes nowhere. Um, and also, for some reason, there's a painting on the wall 
that looks like Mario's gloved hand pointing a handgun at a panda's head, and I what? don't know what that's about. Like it's like a red sleeve with a white gloved hand with the little markings on it, like a Mario glove. And yeah, he's holding just like a pistol, and it's pointed at like a sad panda's head. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That I okay, okay. You know, <laughs> like some. Not everybody has to like Mario, I guess. I, I guess I don't know. There's some kind of behind the scenes joke to that, I guess. It's probably just like an in joke. With the whoever made it, yeah. I guess it's like an in joke, and they're trying to do like a creepy pasta thing. I guess get people to write stories about why this weird thing is here in the game. Yeah, because I I have no idea what else Mario would have to do with a panda. So it's a metaphor for Nintendo rejecting a game they tried to do or something. I guess. Hey Jade, guess what? Hmm? Muddy Buddy just learned Earthquake. Oh, good. You're gonna need yeah. it. Yeah, I'm sure I will. Well, probably. I don't know. I mean, it, it's weird. Like, I don't know what Wallace's team is in Emerald. Like, I know in Ruby Sapphire it was Steven who uses Steel, so Earthquake is really good there. But the other four, I mean, like, Sydney is dark. But all of his oh. stuff is like hybrid, except I think Absol. But he he's got like he, torpedoes, are dark water, and I, he's getting sweeped by Doomshroom. Yeah, yeah. At, at just one hundred percent. Like there's there's no there's no reality where it doesn't happen. Yeah, I don't think he's got any like fire stuff. It's just you know this like torpedo is water dark and. Absol is just dark, and yeah, the, it's all like half dark hybrid stuff. Uh, Phoebe is all ghosts. It's Banets and Dusclopses and Sableye. Yeah, Phoebe might actually be a problem for me mm. <laughs> because I, I don't have any dark moves. Um, yeah, oh yeah, it's. I, I don't think she doesn't any like heavy hitting damage attacks really. A lot of it's like confusion and. Like curse and that kind of stuff. So I can like leech seed and just win, effects. just win that way. Just maybe yeah. tank, tank up. Yeah, um, Glacia is ice. I know she has Glalies, Celios, and a Walrein. I think so. Ice and ice water types. Yeah, um, I've got a Magneton, so I'm not super worried hmm. because it resists ice. And yeah, can destroy Drake water. is dragon. His big one is a salamence, and I think his other ones are flygons, which are dragon ground with levitate. So double uh, ice weakness. That's perfect. Yeah, and um, uh, shellgon. I think he's got shellgon, which is like the pre-evolution of salamence. Okay, um, that's and that's that going off Ruby Sapphire. I don't know if Emerald. I know Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire added more stuff, but by that point, they had like Gen Four to pull from, so yeah, it, it wasn't just the Gen Three stuff. Uh, and then Wallace, I don't know. He was a Water Gym leader, but the fact that he's a champion and Juan is the Water Gym leader tells me he's probably got more variety going on. 
water should be pretty easy to deal with. Yeah, if he is just water, if they didn't give him a team like blue that's just diverse. I mean, he's probably got like like a like a Gyarados. Mm. Um, like I think we we talked about earlier, like a Ludicolo or something, just so yeah. it doesn't get swept by a Swampert. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I might. I'll try to have Doom Shroom sweep that too, unless they have like a. Well, like it can't do anything to Gyarados. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we're getting into Pokemon strategy. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, I think I'm done talking about Stanley Parable. Um, it sounds interesting. I, I, I might pick it up at some point just to kill some mm. time. I guess have a yeah. laugh. Yeah. Um, yeah, because otherwise, uh, let's see. Well, Magic Streets New Capenna came out. It's fine. I don't know. There's some neat cards in it. Um. And, yeah, I mean, because I don't know how interesting, like, tabletop-type stuff is to talk about. I've been playing a lot of, well, I, I say a lot, I mean, a fair amount, I guess, of um, the, well, I can't, did I talk about the Marvel Villainous board game on here? Because I got that um, one, like, a month ago, I think, I found it on I don't think sale. so. You, you may have mentioned it, but I don't think you really talked about it. Okay. Yeah, because there's... So there was this board game that's fairly popular called Disney Villainous. And then they did a Marvel Villainous spinoff. I ended up getting that one first, and that... Alright, Jay, was, just give me a minute. I've okay. got stuff to deal with, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, dog barking. I'll be back. Well, I guess while we're killing time, I can do another reading from this... Halo Encyclopedia, maybe. I don't know. This is a weird episode anyway. Uh, what other weird... Oh, let's look up Forerunners. Maybe something about Forerunners. It'd be weird. Okay. Okay, children. Here is the story of the mantle from page 316 of the Halo Encyclopedia. The mantle of responsibility was a religio-philosophical set of beliefs and practices that served as the basis of forerunner law and political organization. In theory, all forerunners were governed by what they called the rule of the mantle, an ethical framework with a central focus on the protection and preservation of life, especially sentient life. To bear the mantle was to embrace the weighty responsibility of caretaker um, overseeing the galaxy's many species, the philosophy, delegation of responsibilities, and implementation of the mantle of responsibility had many contradictions, and was subject of differences in interpretation and implementation by forerunner authorities. The extremes of these precepts and forerunner interpretation could be crudely distilled as authoritarian and philanthropic. Da, 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 da. Yep. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yep. Yep, that so when they talk about the mantle in uh like Halo four and Halo Infinite and wondering what the fuck that means, uh I guess that's what that means. Um 
Although then it goes on to explain what the authoritarian interpretation of the mantle is and what the philanthropic interpretation of the mantle is. <laughs> and then we got a section on the Eld and the Ecumene Council and the Domain. Because everything is a the something. It's, it can't just be a thing. It's the thing. It's That's the just shit. how forerunners roll. They're pretentious as fuck. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, they're your typical ancient civilization that made a whole bunch of tech and then seemingly died out, but actually not all of them died out because the games are still going and we need more enemies because we killed off the other ones. So we're bringing these guys back and it turns out they're actually dicks. I mean, it it, it seems like like from what I know, the Halo universe, everybody kind of takes turns being dicks. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Oh, Jade, um, I have a question. Hmm? I do have a sable eye. Okay. So, do you think I should switch that in for dustclops? Since it's dark, and... it, it it is ghost dark, and I don't remember how those work. I think that that covers more weaknesses, right? it's ghost dark yeah like i don't have any anything that'll hit a ghost hard except for dustclops and he's because mm. like ghost against ghost dark should be single damage because it's weak yeah yeah like i remember spiritum was a pain in the ass because it's types covered its weaknesses yeah like i, I think until fairy didn't have any weaknesses yeah so i'd assume sableize the same way yeah, I'll check it out. It's like a it's like a super Kingdra. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that, that one could be good. Um okay, so villainous is, so it, it's a um a multiplayer competitive board game. You know, kind of like a party game, I guess. Um you so yeah, so the original version was Disney. You play as different Disney villains, and each one has a different goal that you're trying to accomplish. And then there's these things called fate cards that you can play against your opponents to try to slow them down if they're getting you know, close to completing their goal before you complete your goal. Um, so, yeah, so it's kind of fun. There's like a roleplay-ish element to it in that you're trying to do something that this villain wanted to do in their respective movie um i think at least for the disney ones there's only one villain representing each movie so far so you kind of get all the flavor of that movie uh or movie franchise i get well mo most of them are because it's disney movies most of them are just one-off movies i think the only one that like represents multiple is um and I don't know for sure because I don't have this expansion. The newest expansion has Lotso Hug and Bear from uh, Toy Story Three, huh. so it, which is weird. Like I would have thought Sid would be who they'd go with as a representative of a villain from Toy Story, but they did Lotso instead. They're probably going for a more current one, I guess. I guess, yeah. Because, uh, so, the, the Disney one, because it came first, has had a, a bunch of expansions. The Marvel ones only had one, and this summer they're making a Star Wars one, which sounds really cool. But, um, the original Disney one 
uh, has six characters. There's Captain Hook, whose goal is that he needs to defeat Peter Pan on his pirate ship. So the way that plays out is that you have to get Peter Pan to appear, which you can either do with some of the cards in your... Because you have a, a deck of your villain cards, and you start with four in hand, and end of turn, if you have less than four, you draw back up to four. So some of those cards will help let you help get Peter out. Um, otherwise, you know, fake cards can make that happen too. And when he does appear, he appears at the Lost Boys hideout, and then you have to uh, do things to get him to move across. Each villain has a board that has these like four locations, and every turn you move to one of those locations, and you have different actions you can do based on the symbols of that location. So you're trying to get Peter Pan to move across the board over to the ship, and then you have to get some allies there uh, to be able to defeat him. Um, so, yeah, so there's, like, there's the, that one. There's Maleficent, who can... Like, she doesn't really do allies. and I guess I think she does have some allies. She She's more about, like, she puts these, like, curses out and you have to try to put a curse on each of the four sections of your board um but sometimes your actions will cause those curses to go away and sometimes uh the fate cards played against you will make those curses go away huh. um is jafar who has to unlock the cave of wonders and then get the genie hypnotized under his control and get the lamp transported back to the palace um, and that one has, like, Aladdin and Abu both have the ability to steal an item from Jafar's side of the board, so if one of them comes out, they can grab the lamp and hold onto it to keep him from winning. Um, let's see, there's Ursula has to get, uh, the trident and the crown from, uh, King Triton, uh, and... She's got this gimmick of, like, her board is ranges between, like, the castle on the shore and her undersea lair, and she can only, she can change forms into human form, and she has to be human form if she wants to go up on the land. Um, so, I, I've played against that one, I haven't played it, so I don't know all the quirks of it. Um, let's see, what are the others? There's the Queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland and that one you have to play your card guards and then get the you do like uh, an activation thing that lets you turn them sideways so they become wickets and once you've got four of them lined up as wickets you can play a card that lets you take a shot through them and you have to try to it, it, this is like a mechanic you can you reveal a certain number of cards and you have to get below a certain number to successfully take the shot that sounds like uh, the Pokemon board game, like twenty years ago. Hmm. What the the one with all the like coins that you put on the board? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like, remember okay. how that one plays. I just remember there's like coins, and you have to roll dice to catch a Pokemon. Yeah, that one. It 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 it's like uh, you roll, you can go forward, back throughout the whole Kanto map. 
Mm. Um, and some spaces are wild Pokemon spaces. And if you land on it, you need to roll the dice. And if you hit a certain number that that's on the that's on the little Pokemon the token, token then, you, yeah. then you catch it. Yeah. But um, at at the end of the game, you fight one of the elite four, and uh, like it's. Well, it's either one of the Elite Four or Gary, the champion. Yeah. Um, and they have ridiculously high uh, um, stats. So basically, you need a really good Pokemon. You need really good items that give you a lot of attack. Mm. And then you need to roll really good and have the, your opponent roll really badly to end up winning. Mm-hmm. So it's like this ridiculous game of chance. Yeah. Yeah, with the villainous game, it's a lot of, you know, like everybody's got these weird win cons that they're going for. And then if you get a fate action, you pick an opponent, and that opponent, each, you know, character has their own fate deck, which is like the heroes from their movie and like the you know effects based on those and those effects are all designed to gum up whatever it is that that villain is trying to accomplish um so like like i was playing hades is in one of the expansions and i was playing him and his and from what i've seen you know i've I've, like read some forum stuff and it sounds like my experience is how he usually plays is that it's really easy to get set up for the win but then everybody just piles on you with fate stuff until you can't win. Um, because his his win is that you need to get three titans up to Mount Olympus. And um, yeah, I think I think that's it. You, just, you have to get three titans to Mount Olympus and they can't be uh, trapped, which Zeus or Hercules or some of the other hero fate cards can do. Uh, which basically taps them sideways until you do something to untap them. Um, But yeah, it's like you play a titan, they go to the underworld, which is on the left side of the map, and you can do a move ally to move them one space to the right, and you've also got like cards that will let you, you know, you can sometimes move them multiple spaces. So you just have to play three of the guys and move them up the mountain, and then get them to all be there without anybody playing anything that shuts them down um so yeah so that's that's what happened when i played that one um so it are are some of the um, villain objectives just just that much easier or harder than the other ones yeah i mean like some of it's luck of the draw but some of them definitely seem like a lot more confused either confusing or like they they just like a, a bunch of them are very dependent on you getting a specific card from your deck and that's mm. the thing i learned from you know when we were playing the marvel one before the disney one uh i was playing as modok who's in the first expansion and his strategy is very dependent on these two specific cards you have to get out of the deck so that's when i learned the way the game plays when you know that's what your strategy is is that you need to go to a space that has a discard option 
So you can just hurl anything that you don't absolutely need into the discard pile to give you more draws so you can just churn through your deck and get those cards. Because if your deck runs out, you just shuffle it up from the discard and it's your deck again. So some of the strategies, yeah, you have to play it in a way where you're not being like precious about what you hold on to. Because even though like every card looks useful when you look at it, um, you got to prioritize getting to the things that you actually need to win. Yeah, so it's so like if you go through cards and you can recycle them. I, I'm guessing like cycling is like a major strategy then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it depends on the thing. Um, like I played Isma from Emperor's New Groove a couple times, and that one was fun because that that one does some a weird thing where your fate deck gets split into four with four piles in one at each of your locations. And your goal is that you need to get Cusco to appear, which can either be done, you know, if anybody does a fate against you, they get to pick one of the four piles and look through it and pick one of the cards and play it to that location. But you have cards that will let you force them to pick from a certain pile. So you're trying to like narrow down where Cusco is. You have to get him to show up and then you have to get Kronk out and you have to give Kronk the dagger and then you do a vanquish action to have Kronk kill Cusco and that's how you win um, but the extra tricky part of it is that if you put Kronk out before Cusco's around or if somebody does something that shuffles Cusco back into the deck so he is you know hiding somewhere again Kronk um, mm -hmm. whenever he moves locations you put a token on him uh, and if he gets three of those, he goes rogue and becomes a hero. So you have to be careful not to, you know, move him around so much that he has time to think about what he's doing, and then his shoulder angel takes over, and now he's against you until you play a card to make him come back to your side. It's a really cool mechanic. So usually I just end up holding on to him until Cusco is out, or I've narrowed down where Cusco is. Um... But yeah, the game that I won, he'd actually... I, I played Kronk to the spot where I knew Cusco was, and then somebody got one of the fate cards that made me shuffle all four of the fate decks and redistribute them. So then I had to narrow down where Cusco was again, but at least I only had to move Kronk one space, so he didn't have time to go rogue on me before I got to use him. I like when... Games have, like, character-specific mechanics like that that actually make sense. Yeah. Like, Scar is in one of the expansions, and his thing is that you have... You can defeat other heroes at any time, but you need to defeat Mufasa to kick off your takeover. So once you defeat Mufasa, uh, you then create a succession pile, which totals up the power of all the heroes you've defeated. And you have to get that up to 15. So Mufasa gives you the first six. And from that point, you have to either, you know, people play f fate heroes against you, or you can play things that will make them come out against you. So that you can get your hyenas to gang up on them and kill them. And give you the total number of kills you need to uh, win. Um and then there's like a you know, in the core set there's Prince John from Robin Hood and his thing is that he wants money and the, the, the mechanic for like mana in this game is called power uh, 
and it's you know, like every space on the board will have like one of the actions you can take it just shows a number and that's you gain that many power tokens um, so Prince John wants to get 20 power but the tricky part is that like Robin Hood and all the fate cards will play things that either reduce his power or take power away from him so they're all you know stealing his money and he has to deal with that while trying to accrue a lot of money uh, what other interesting ones uh the horned king from black cauldron it was kind of neat i ended up watching the movie again after playing it because i couldn't oh, remember what happened in the movie i'm surprised it's even in there <laughs> i think it's in there just because he looks cool fair but yeah i mean i i don't know how they pick the villains like a lot of them are especially like the ones on the face of the box like the main set had six each of the expansions has three and the expansions usually have like one very popular face character and then the other two may or may not be popular they they do seem like they, they're trying to get like a diverse spread it's like every expansion has at least one male and one female character in it um which you can tell like they're trying to do with the marvel one too but it's trickier because there's not a lot of major female villains in marvel so like, yeah. like the core set of marvel has thanos ultron hella killmonger and taskmaster um and then the first expansion they've done has loki modok and madam mask and i know <laughs> nothing about madam mask but i guess they needed a female villain who uh, i i would say that isn't part of an existing because you know they, they do try to have characters represent different groups so like their fate cards can be different um but i guess I, they had I, loki and hella have been in this so we've already got two thor ones right but i got i i know i've heard of madame mask i don't know what she's from yeah like all the cards in your side deck are like shield related so I guess she's from that part of Marvel. Probably like a Captain America yeah. villain or something. Yeah, she might have been like in, in the Avengers Assemble cartoon or something. Probably. Yeah, that, that cartoon covered a lot of characters. Um, that's prob that that's the only thing I can think of where Yeah. Where it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, so the Disney, let's see, the, the core set has Captain Hook, Ursula, Jafar, Maleficent, King John, um, and Ursula, King John, oh, Queen of Hearts, Queen of Hearts is the sixth one. Um, and then the expansions, they've had, one has Scar, and, um, I don't know, like I, since I have all of them, I can't remember who's in what box. I know Scar is yeah. one of the faced ones, and I think Radigan from Great Mouse Detective is in that. And wow. um, I don't, I don't think Hades is in that one. I think Hades is in a different set because I think there's Hades and the Queen from Snow White, who I think is the face of that one. They, they have like the the Queen from Snow White. Um, Wait, what was the last one you said? Hmm? Uh, Hades. Was it? Yeah. 
I'm not. I'm not gonna do it this We're time. We're not gonna do these nuts joke. <laughs> no, we gotta get a fresh these nuts joke. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those those ones. Uh, Doctor Facilier from Princess and the Frog is in one of those sets. I don't remember which one. Um. Oh, Isma. Yeah, because I think I think it's Scar, Isma, and. Facilier, I think, maybe. I think that's that three set, and then it's Hades, uh, Evil Queen, and man, I'm spacing out. I can't remember. Um, the Black Black Cauldron Guy? Yeah, Black Cauldron Guy is in another set. I think Black Cauldron Guy okay. is in the set with Gaston, who's the face of that one. And... Uh, okay, yeah, so they, they saved, like, one 90s Renaissance uh, character for like every set probably yeah i mean the face ones are um evil queen from snow white uh gaston uh corella deville and um i mean sin the newest one that came out it has syndrome from incredibles lotso from oh. toy story and madam mim from sword in the stone who I guess has been like a hmm. fan favorite. I barely remember that movie though, so whatever. Yeah, uh, I I have not watched it as an adult. So yeah, I I couldn't tell you anything about it. Yeah, let's see. The Gaston set has Gaston, Horned King, and I think Lady Tremaine from Cinderella, who is one of the ones that has a very complicated win condition. Because her win is that you need to first get a card in the deck that is the invitation to the the ball. So you have to get that in order to unlock the castle so that you can send your daughters there. Because you've got the cards for the two daughters and separate cards for the two daughters in their ball gowns. So you have to get the daughters out and then get them their ball gowns. Uh, get you know one of them in her ball gown to palace get the prince to show up at the palace and then play a card called wedding bells that gets the daughter married to the prince and you need to do that without cinderella getting in the way because if cinderella shows up especially in her ball gown then the prince is going to be too distracted to marry the daughter so you have to get rid of cinderella um which you can do by locking her up there's the like, effects you have that you can you know, lock someone up um and then also, if either of the glass slippers shows up, then the daughter and prince can't get married, because I guess he's too distracted by the slipper. So you have to use your cane to break the slipper, so that uh, you know you can get the marriage thing to happen. So yeah, there's just there's a lot of stuff going on in that one. It's kind of complicated. Um, and then yeah, there's the Corella Deville set has Cruella. Pete from Steamboat Willie. It's like all black and white Mickey wow. Mouse stuff for his. Um, and... Oh, Mother Gothel. That's right. It's Mother Gothel from Tangled. It's the third one in that. So, yeah. So they've done like a very like, weird wide array of like old disney and 90s renaissance and some newer stuff like princess and the frog and tangled 
I'm surprised they haven't done anyone from Frozen yet, but I guess the villains didn't really stand out in Frozen anyway. Yeah. They don't. They don't really have traditional villains. Like so Prince Hans, you could do as a Frozen villain, but nobody really cares about Hans. He he would just be an excuse to get other yeah. Frozen characters to appear. If only he had someone who cared about him. Yeah, poor guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's such a good dude. <laughs> yeah, they could just do Olaf, the real villain of Frozen. <laughs> Yeah, they could throw Jar Jar in there, make it the Star Wars version. Well, yeah, he'll be, the Star Wars version is coming in August, because they, they, they've announced they're doing a core set for the Star Wars one, which I assume will have yearly expansions. Uh, the Star Wars core set is going to have Darth Vader, Kylo Ren, uh, General Grievous, Moff Gideon, and Asajj huh. Ventress. So they've got like uh, major villain from the classics, the prequels, the sequels, the Mandalorian, and the Clone Wars. Which also lets them get a major female villain, which, you know, good luck finding many more of those in current Star Wars, like any Star Wars really, but especially current Shit, Star yeah. Wars. All they've got left is, like, Captain Phasma. I don't know if there's any others. Um, but they got Ventress. So like they got yeah, that, and they got honestly. Gideon just because Mandalorian's popular, and sure, you know, diversity of another character. Um, I'm just trying to think of any other Star Wars villains, <laughs> like any other female villain. Yeah, I mean, I could see you know, like Boba Fett and Jabba the Hutt would be cool ones they could do in future expansions, but. Yeah. Well, no, uh, Boba Fett isn't a villain. Debatable. Uh, they could make a case <laughs> for it, but they would probably just yeah, because yeah, like people were complaining that they didn't have Emperor Palpatine in there, and they're probably saving. Like I would assume, probably the first expansion would have Palpatine as the major villain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they could do like Jabba the Hutt and have Boba Fett as one of his like henchman ally cards. Yeah, I, I mean, I was just going with, like, the, um, the, book, of the Boba Boba, book of Boba Fett, yeah. where, like, oh, no, he, he can't be a villain. He can't be a, like, a selfish, evil prick. He's, you know, he's try he's doing his best. Mm. <laughs> he had a, he had a Tusken Raider family. Yeah. I mean, I guess Pete's not really a villain either. He was Goofy's neighbor. <laughs> In Goof well, he's... Not, it is he's, Steamboat Willie. He's an Pete, asshole. So he's a villain, but... Yeah. Um. Oh, if they made a goof troop, Pete, then yeah, mm. he's he's not really a villain. He's just a, a dick. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that goof troop even had like a villain to it. So, uh, in the Super Nintendo game, um, they had a pirate okay. called Ke Keelhaul Pete, which is just another <laughs> another version of Pete. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, like, I'm fully expecting in the future there's probably going to be Shere Khan from Jungle Book and Frollo from Hunchback. Um, but otherwise, like, given the way they pick these things, you know, like, I would like, you know, my personal wish list. I, I want Commander Rourke just so they can have Atlantis. And, like, Clayton from Tarzan would be cool, or Long John Silver from Treasure Planet, but I... 
you know, it doesn't seem like they're really doing much of like the early 2000s movies. It's more like the 90s yeah. Renaissance ones. They're not doing any movies that failed. Uh, yeah. Financially. No. Well, oh, I mean, I don't know how well like Sword in the Stone or like Black Cauldron was a failure, and they did that one. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, but but it, Black Cauldron also has like cult appeal, whereas hmm. I don't think Treasure Planet really has any. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. People just haven't discovered it, uh, and how fun it is. Like even even Atlantis is kind of in that that range where like it's got more. It has some some cult appeal, but not even. Yeah, like I think Atlantis has cult appeal, but it's not really around the villain. It's like around the setting and. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I mean like '90s Renaissance ones that they haven't done yet. There's like Judge Frollo. Uh, Governor Ratcliffe from Pocahontas. Um, I'm not sure what else. I mean, I know there was Rescuers Down Under, but I don't remember much about the Rescuers movies. Um, yeah, like, I don't... Because they have think... Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Lion King, uh, Hercules. Um, they could do Oogie Boogie from, uh... Um... Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I could see him doing that one. I'm just trying to think of Kingdom Hearts worse. Yeah. Let's see, Tarzan. Um, yeah. Tarzan, yeah. Alice in Wonderland. They've done Alice in Wonderland. Okay. Um, and yeah, and even like the older stuff, you know, aside from Jungle Book, because they haven't done Jungle Book, but they've done Robin Hood and Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and... Um, Snow White. Um, what about Mulan? Did they get the oh, guy from Mulan? Oh, yeah, yeah, they gotta do that one. Uh, they haven't done that one yet, but that would be cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, what was that like Sean Yu? I think was his name. I, I, I either Shen Yu or Sean Yu. Yeah. Yeah, get the Huns to kill the emperor and take over china see the the thing is in that movie he was kind of just like an opposing force he wasn't really a character so he didn't really have like plans yeah well i mean <laughs> his plan is for the han army to invade china and kill the emperor so yeah. that that's i could see that working that you know it would be like a lot of the other decks where like the emperor's palace is one of the locations probably the you know snowy mountain would be another location um and you have to get the emperor to appear, and then you have to kill him. And if like Mulan's card comes out, then it would say, you know, no other heroes can be defeated until Mulan's been defeated. So you'd have to redirect your forces to deal with her to yeah. you know, before you can go get the emperor. Just murder Mulan, then murder the emperor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think next time I play a game, of it, I I want to play um, Radigan. Because his thing is that the last time my dad played it, and he managed to pull off the first win. He's got like a, a win con, but if it fails, there's a second win con. So his first win con is you have to get the robot version of the queen up to Buckingham Palace and have it there at That's the start. Such a fun turn. sentence. Yeah. Like the robot bucket, the robot queen costs like fifteen power, so you have to get a lot of power just to get it out. But you get it out, and you move it 
you know, three spaces over up to the palace. And I had managed to slow it down by playing the card for the real queen, which says that, you know, like people aren't going to fall for this robot queen while the real queen's out. So he had to get rid of the real queen before he could win with the robot queen. But if you get the robot queen out and then it gets destroyed, which the, I think the main way to make that happen is to get the Basil card out. If Basil comes in and breaks the robot queen, Radigan's, he's got this card that lists his goal and it flips over and shows him in feral mode and it says kill Basil. Um, so, oh, wow. yeah, so if, if you break the queen, your new goal becomes you have to kill Basil to win the game. So, I kind of want to play that and I want to get some, I want to get the queen out, or get the robot out, and have someone break the robot so I can go murder Basil and make that my win condition. Because <laughs> that just sounds more exciting. They should have more Disney games where they just blatantly um, endorse murder. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think the Corella Deville one doesn't say that you turn the puppies into a cope, but we all know that's what's happening. Yeah. Like her goal is you have to round up 99 puppies and the puppies have their own special tile that is either a, a group of 11 or 22 of them and it's like randomized so you don't know how many you're going to find at a location and you have to get Jasper and Horace to there's like cards to help you find them in your deck because so you have to find them and play them and then get them to do things that will drive the puppies out into the open so you can capture them. And if you get all 99 of them, you win. Drive the puppies out in the open. Yep. I love I love that sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's fun because there's just this kind of role play aspect of you are playing this villain in an alternate timeline where they could win. Doing whatever horrible thing it is they needed to do to win. Yeah. Like, Scar murders Mufasa, and then murders Simba and Rafiki and everybody else, and just has all their pile of corpses to prove that he won. Yeah, but that's when you realize, like, just how horrible, like, all their plans actually are. Mm. This is, like, when you're actually, like, trying to commit them. Yeah, it was funny with Gaston. His thing, the way they flavored it is, you have eight obstacles you need to remove, and the obstacles represent the... I guess character qualities that make Gaston seem unappealing to Belle. That if you know you you <laughs> remove these obstacles by doing things that make Gaston seem like the hero he thinks he is. Um, but the way it played out, because I did win this game, but Belle came out and Belle's card says obstacles can't be removed while Belle is in play. So Belle was at the tavern. Uh, so- and I, so I was trying to be underhanded about it. Yeah, so I sent a mob, you know, the angry mob with p- pitchforks and torches, to the tavern to, you know, I guess defeat Bell. Like the mob killed Bell, and then <laughs> I removed the last of the obstacles, and I won. So I impressed Bell yeah. after killing her with an angry mob. <laughs> well. Well, I mean, she has to be impressed at that point, right? Yeah. I mean, she doesn't have a choice. Yeah, Yeah, but I guess because I played a card, this has come into the light, which shows, like, the beast stepping out, and that removes two obstacles because, you know, you make the beast seem, uh, you know, unimpressive, and that makes Gaston seem more impressive or something. Hmm. I played that, so that was enough to impress Belle. 
even though she had just been, I guess, if not killed, at least chased out of the tavern by an angry mob. Um, yeah. Yeah, she's just willing to go with Gaston now. Gaslight stun. Yeah. That that was that was awkward, but I think it works. <laughs> yeah. I mean, before playing it, I'd figured Gaston's win condition would just be kill the beast, but killing the beast. It, Th- that should be like an alternate um, win condition, I guess. Yeah, like all killing the beast does is it removes the two obstacles at the beast castle location. So it's useful, and like I'd gotten the beast to come out, and I only needed to remove those two, but then I realized I had a card in hand that just removes two obstacles, so I played that instead. Let's see what what other? I'm still trying to think of like other movies they haven't done yet. Mm, yeah, other major ones. I mean, because the newest set having Syndrome and Lotso, you know, they're bringing out they're gonna Pixar stuff. Pixar. Yeah, like they're willing to do Pixar. So there's but a lot of Pixar movies don't really have well I, I don't know about a lot of them but like probably at least half of them don't really have like traditional villains either definitely not the newer ones like like Bugs Life had Hopper uh Monsters yeah. Inc had Randall uh Cars had that green car with the mustache <laughs> um like <laughs> You ever just think about how silly all this shit really is? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Cars, it's weird for me. Like, I know a lot of people seem really put off by the idea of a world with talking cars. It just blows their brains so hard that it's all they can talk about when it relates to cars is that the world doesn't make sense. And, I mean, to me, like, it's just, it's a fun kids movie with talking cars and you don't really need to scrutinize yeah. it any harder than that and that yeah like like they continue to make more of them because it makes so much money in merchandise sales for little kids who like race cars yeah like i i don't think that cars is up to like the pixar quality at the time mm. but also like i'm not angry about it yeah i mean <laughs> it's it's a fine movie um, first yeah, one was fine, it's... second one was weird, the third one's fine, although it's one of those, like, back in the old days we did things better kind of movies. It's like all these kids yeah, yeah, these days, they don't get it. <laughs> well, with their cell phones and their YouTubes and stuff, they don't know the, the joy of riding a car on dirt tracks and not on virtual VR training tracks. I've ridden a car on a dirt road before. It's not fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's not smooth. It's just a lot of hits and stuff. It it just sucks. Like, it's... Kicks up dirt into your well wheel wells and gets all junky in there. Um, yeah, and I mean, because like as far as newer movies, the newest they've done is like Tangled and Princess and the Frog, and those are still like ten over ten years old. I think Tangled was twenty eleven. So 
Yeah, I think Princess and the Frog was late thousands. Mm. I mean, I, like I Wrecking Ralph would be cool, but I don't think King Candy is interesting enough. <sighs> no. If they like, let Ralph be the villain, even though he's also the hero, that could work, maybe? I don't <laughs> the, know. The real villain was inside of him all along. I mean, that, that's Wreck-It Ralph 2. <laughs> really? Is that the... Yeah, that's the one where... The moral of the The story? one where he breaks the internet, but also, like, the, the heart of the story is that Ralph is so, like, clingy with... Uh, Vanellope. He doesn't want to let her go do, you know, her own stuff. Uh, he wants his friend to be there with him forever. So his his it manifests in the form of a King Kong like insecurity. You know, there's like a security breach, and his insecurity becomes a giant Ralph that's like King Konging its way through the Internet City. Damn. So he's kind of the villain of the second one. Is it, it? It's still weird to me that like Sarah Silverman mm. is like a Disney. I mean, not technically a Disney princess. But well, they they had like, their whole scene with all the other Disney princesses. Yeah, except for Kida because I mean. Kida's not allowed because she's too hot and too old. Yeah, they, she's like a thousand. They, they she's can't. like eight thousand years old. She's way too old. <laughs> To be hanging out with all these other princesses. Yeah, I mean, Snow White's like 16, so. Um, Is is Alice like a, technically a Disney princess or not? She's, I think she's part of the merchandise line, even though she's not a princess. Yeah. And even, like, Mulan's part of the merchandise line, because she's cool, and I guess you could argue she's a princess, because it's implied that she was going to marry... Uh, wait, was Shang royal? I don't. I I think he was just a general. Yeah. Like. So yeah, I, I mean, I get like the emperor liked her enough well, that she's like unofficially a princess. But I I think if he's a general, that means he's probably nobility, but not technically royalty. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this, this is not really a princedom structure to the world of that movie. No, she can. She would be like the equivalent of a lady. Not yeah, like <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not especially um, confident in um, my ancient Chinese political structure. Yeah, yeah, but she is part of the merchandise line of Disney Princess. Okay, and yeah, like oh. I think I've seen Alice in there. I, I, I know there's there's a few that are in there just because they're major female characters. Could she? Alice was one of the princesses in Kingdom Hearts, so that's the only reason I was wondering. Because mm. I, I assumed, um, I assumed she was. Mm. But yeah, <laughs> fucking Sarah Silver is <laughs> a Disney princess. That, that's ridiculous to me. Yeah, no, yeah, she has a, a whole like, musical number when the, she's doing like a sleepover with the other Disney princesses in Record nice. too. Yeah, because like the other newer movie, like there's Frozen and Frozen Two, there's Big Hero Six, which you know is technically a Marvel movie in a way. Um, really? Yeah, it's it's an obscure Marvel comic, 
that they turned into an animated Disney movie. Hmm. Um, oh, well, I, I knew it was a comic. I just didn't know, uh, like, the lineage of the comic. Hmm. Uh, I can't remember because I it's getting all jumbled in my brain with the Pixar movies that have come out lately. Um, yeah, because like early two thousands, there's like Tarzan and Treasure Planet and Atlantis and Brother Bear. I don't remember if that movie even had a villain. <laughs> I mean, the 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 villain was just the main characters. Um... Lack of respect for nature, I think. Yeah, and it was like his like brother or something who thought that he had died when actually he'd been turned into a bear. Yeah. Like, he 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 was hunting down the bear that killed his brother, but Not realizing the bear that, the that he bear thinks is killed his brother. His brother. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so there wasn't really a villain for that one. No, um, it was just... I mean, I guess you could... Um, Make a villain out of like the the shaman or mu- mu- magician or whoever it was that turned him into a bear, mm. but that's more like a like jigsaw type. You learn your lesson in this horrible way, not like really a villain. Yeah, and I've never seen Home on the Range, so I don't know who the <laughs> villain in Home on the Range was. It's okay, Jade. Nobody else. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't remember like anything about Chicken Little, and I don't think they're even going to address any of those early CG movies where they didn't know what they were yeah. doing. Chicken Little doesn't really have a villain, per se. It's just aliens and the townspeople who don't believe him. Yeah, and then there was like, Meet the Robinsons. I think I caught part of it on TV once. Oh, that one does have a traditional villain, even though he's only. That one goes places. Mm. Yeah, I remember there was like some kind of time travel thing at the end or something. Yeah, like he meets his the, future self. The villain is the kid from. I, I think it's another kid from the orphanage that the main character lives in. Okay, and like he doesn't get adopted or something i i don't remember mm. or like he he invents something that gets overshadowed by the main guy I, mm. I i don't specifically remember but he turns into a villain because he's unloved yeah <laughs> so and then there's bolt which wasn't a bad movie but i don't know that i mean i guess like the villain of that one is just the studio or the director or something the director of the movie. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, the director of the movie within the movie. <laughs> this, like, weird auteur director who really wanted to get uh, a realistic emotional reaction out of a dog, so he's constructed this whole, you know, like, set to make... Basically, like, the director is, like, the director of um, The Truman Show, except his subject is a dog that he wants to think is really that the dog believes it is a superhero so that he can get a realistic performance out of this dog. Um, 
and yeah, he goes to such like extreme stupid lengths that the the set ends up burning down at the end and almost kills the Miley Cyrus character. Oh no! Yeah, because it was like 2008. It was the height of Miley Cyrus popularity. I I want to see a movie directed by Steven Spielberg where where Steven Spielberg is the villain. Mm. Um, <laughs> that sounds interesting to me. Yeah, because I think after that one, it was it was Princess and the Frog, which they do have in this, and those Tangled. Um, Moana would be cool, except it doesn't really have. I mean, Tafiti isn't really a villain with any kind of goal. Is that the crab dude? No, I mean, like the cra- the crab guy's fun, but he doesn't have that much of a goal that really relates to the rest of the movie. Um, not not David Bowie. Yeah, and, uh, I don't remember if Tafiti was the, the this like the the island that is the goddess but was like corrupted into this lava monster when maui stole the heart um and like that's like the main villain but it doesn't really have a goal it's just it's been corrupted because maui took the heart and it wants to get the heart back but the good guys want to give the heart back so that that's not there's no opposition there um is there maleficent yeah Um, she's in the corset Okay, I thought so. Yeah. I thought I remember you saying that, yeah. but I don't remember anything specific. Yeah, I mean, for like the so. early ones, you know, we've got the Evil Queen from Snow White, we've got Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty, we've got um, uh, Lady Tremaine from Cinderella, we've got the literal devil from Fantasia. <laughs> mm, I think that one's been mentioned by like some of the forums as an idea to do the devil. I got it. I don't know that Chernobog really had. Yeah, there's, there's not a goal, but but they made a goal out of Pete, who doesn't really have that much of a goal either. Like Pete's thing is that because it's pulling from multiple, um, just like old black and white Disney cartoons, that you have five goals and you shuffle them up and randomly distribute one for each of your four panels, and the fifth one goes unused. And you can look at them, but unless a card reveals them, your opponents can't see them. So you're trying to achieve these secret goals without um, anybody else. You know, achieve them and stop people from stopping you from doing them. So it'll be like you have to get a bunch of henchmen to one spot, or you need to spend a bunch of money at one spot, or or stuff like that. That one's that one sounds weird. Yeah. <laughs> Just do a bunch of crazy shit to um, throw people off the trail. Yeah. Yeah, so like 70s and 80s Disney... Jungle Book is the big one, and I could see Shere Khan being like the face of one of the expansions. But otherwise, I think they've got all the big ones covered. They've got Robin Hood, and they've got um, Great Mouse Detective. What about Dumbo? Oh, yeah, Dumbo. Who was the villain in Dumbo? Danny DeVito. <laughs> well, they haven't done any live action ones. If they're going to do live action, they got to do Pirates of the Caribbean and give us uh, either Barbosa or Davy Jones. That would be pretty awesome, but I don't think they will. Or um, Blackbeard, if they want to uh, go with the lame one. Nobody yeah. likes. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, Blackbeard and whatever the... I guess something something Fountain of Youth was his goal. Yeah, he, he at least did have a singular goal. Yeah, I, mean, I think um, Davy Jones would probably be the better choice. Like, you know, Barbosa's yeah. fun, but Barbosa could be like a, either an ally or hero I, card in it. But Davy Jones's thing yeah. would just be like, you have to defeat a certain number of heroes to claim their souls, and you get your 100 souls or something. Yeah, because Barbosa's goal was just to turn back human. Yeah. Yeah, and he died so, achieving uh, that, and afterward his goal was to be the captain of the Black Pearl. Yeah. And kick Jack yeah. off the Black Pearl again multiple times over the course of you know all those movies. Yeah. Davy Jones... Like Dave, Davy, Davy Jones would be like collecting souls, and that would be, come yeah. from defeating heroes. It's like you just defeat them and you get their souls and you have to, i guess it would play a lot like scar yeah. where it's just you're trying to yeah. claim a number of souls from fallen heroes with like a, a side this i guess like a side mission of protecting your heart yeah yeah the pro if you know the heart card would be in the fate deck and if the heart card comes out you can't f- defeat any heroes <laughs> until you take the heart back Davy Jones believes in the heart of the cards. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's afraid of the heart of the card. If the heart of the cards comes out, then he is stuck until he can do something about it. Okay. <laughs> Audacity just froze. I just wanted to make sure everything was good. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's just doing that thing where it pauses before yeah. it catches up and That's you know, has sure. been recording the whole time. Yeah, looks like we've killed a lot of time with this Disney villainous topic, though. Yeah, I mean it. It turns out when Disney speculating on game design, five thousand movies, um, you could talk about them even if it's in the Mm. the sense of like a random uh, board game. Yeah, I wonder if they're avoiding Frollo because of how icky his wincon would have to be, (laughs) trying to get him to marry Esmeralda, (laughs) or else kill her. Uh yeah, um, there's Who's me or your pyre. Be mine or you will burn. Yep. Yeah, so. that that's marry or kill. That's the... your choice, Esmeralda. <laughs> Fuck marry or kill. He has yeah. three win conditions. <laughs> yeah. And it's up to Esmeralda. You choose one. You're gonna fuck him. You're gonna marry him, or you're gonna die by his hand. That's rough. Yeah. Yeah, he is a gross dude. Like even, like even by like Disney villain standards, that's ridiculous. Yeah. No, oh, he's he's major creep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like even even in the Disney Renaissance, they never really went that deep with anybody again, did they? Like just. Yeah, I mean that that was like ninety six for that one. I think, because after that they had 97 was Hercules, 98 was Mulan, 99 was Tarzan, I think, or was Tarzan 2000? I think when when you get into the 2000s, that's when you start with, like, Emperor's New Groove, right? Oh, right, okay, yeah. So Tarzan must have been 99, because Emperor's New Groove was 2000, Atlantis was 2001, Treasure Planet, I think, was 2002. Brother Bear, 2003. Because they did one a year 
for a while. And then 2004 was home on the range and nobody cared. Yeah, because I mean, at that point, they had Emperor's New Groove, which was good, but very different. Hmm. Well, like they had Tarzan, which is kind of mixed, right? Like, Yeah, like Tar- I think Tarzan's really good, but I think that was where <clears throat> like, people weren't as hyped for it. Yeah, and then, and then Emperor's New Groove was good, but more comedic. Yeah, than it's like a, a screwball comedy um, with yeah. some heart to it, not like other Disney movies, really. It's, yeah, it's and then really... Atlantis was an action movie, and Treasure Planet was like a sci-fi adventure. Yeah, movie, but also trying to you know be a a version of Treasure Island, so it has like a weird. Yeah. Yeah. aesthetic to it if if you want the treasure island story and you want to watch it in like kid-friendly movie version just watch muppets Muppet. yeah 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 i mean they're both good you know the muppet one is more of an adaptation of treasure island the treasure yeah. planet is like this odd sci-fi riff on it that is very fun for what it is but it's different and then brother bear it does feel like Brother Bear, the just nobody ones, cared about. No, yeah, nobody cared. Home on the Range, nobody cared at all because by that point, Pixar was on the rise and yeah. Pixar was all people cared about for Disney stuff. Yep. Brother Bear is like the movie that every elementary school has on VHS that they haven't played in 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like. They they pretty much stopped the two D animation after that, huh? Like they they got up to Princess and the Frog, and then it's just completely well, gone. Yeah, at that point, so right? Home on the Range was the end of it. At that point, everybody only cared about Pixar stuff. So Disney tried to adapt by doing Chicken Little and Meet the Robinsons and Bolt. And Bolt was the one where they had John Lasseter come over from Pixar and kind of show them how to tell a story again because they'd forgotten. <laughs> um, and so Bolt was decent, and then they afterward said, okay, now we're going to do 2D again, because we don't want 2D to die as an art form, so they did Princess and the Frog, and it did okay, I think. And then but 2D animation well died as yeah, an that, art that's, form. <laughs> yeah, 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 because they, they did, you know, that one to try to rejuvenate 2D, and it didn't work, and then they did Tangled, and that kind of kicked off the current era of disney stuff of yeah. you know single adjective um title of you know like a fun cg movie yeah. although they did do one more 2d movie and it was a winnie the pooh movie that was like 2012 i think yeah i um, it snuck in there and i think it was good but i haven't seen it and i don't know anyone who's ever talked about it I've seen clips from it, and it seems very Winnie the Pooh, which is, mm. like, nice, wholesome entertainment, but, like, not anything anybody's going to super love, right? Yeah, it's like, if you're either of that, you know, like, a young age where you just accept anything you sat down in front of, or you just want that kind of pleasant, mild stuff. It's, it's good for that, but it's not exciting. It's yeah. just it's poo. 
Everybody knows what to expect from Pooh. Yep. Pooh is number one. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm. I should. I. Mm. Anyway. Um, yeah, and then 2D animation and big budget, uh, like Hollywood animation, just died. Yeah, um, like outside, at least in the West, you know, outside of anime stuff, 2D yeah. is just died off because three, you know, 3D movies were doing well mostly because they were better written than the 2D ones, and it, you know, Hollywood being the way they are, they make the wrong connection and think it they're succeeding because they're 3D and not because they were good. Yeah. That, and I guess 3D also got like cheaper and easier to do as the technology evolved. Yeah. Like, 3D might have actually been, like, the reason certain movies were more popular in, like, 2011. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, especially the 90s and 2000s when it was still novel that, you know, you had Pixar and DreamWorks doing all their 3D stuff and it was... Like things people hadn't seen before. Yeah. But now, you know, like there's so many 3D movies. There's some of them. Like I look at it and I I can't tell if it's DreamWorks or it's Illumination yeah. or it's because they all just look the uh, same. It's not Blue Sky. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Yeah. Yeah, like that. That's another thing with 3D is that it it's a lot easier to cop an art style. Um, mm. Because I, I think in, in 2D, like, when, when everything is hand-drawn, like, like, like when, a, when a character model is hand-drawn, right? Like, it's, it's, yeah, it's gonna come out. Trying to maintain the look, you have to have all your reference sheets and stuff. Yeah, whereas when it's 3D, like, you can just, you, you make the model and animate from it, and it's a lot easier to maintain an art style. Yeah, and also yeah, and like people have really picked apart and learned how to do the Disney style of big expressive eyes and yeah. stuff. You know what, Jade? Into the Spider Verse was very good. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, in, Into the Spider Verse did you know the cool, interesting idea of taking three D and layering two D over it to give it you know more of an edge and a style. Yeah, and and that is now starting to become a thing that other anime, you know, like DreamWorks just put out that movie, The Bad Guys, which kind of copies the Spider Verse thing of they're doing three D animation, but then they're also putting some lines over it to sharpen up the edges. So yeah. probably in time that art technique i think spider-verse still like they're enough at the forefront that they're still coming up with new things beyond what they did in that first one yeah but what they did in the first one is probably going to become played out over time they're following it up they're following up one of the best animated movies of all time (laughs) so yeah i mean reasonable expectations yeah i mean i don't and I, and I mean, they're making two movies at once, which is always kind of a hit or miss type of deal, right? Mm. 
Yeah, and that reminds me, they announced the titles of both. The first one's going to be called Across the Spider-Verse, and the second one's going to be called Beyond the Spider-Verse. Okay, good. So, so we'll they see drop, what that means. They dropped they the part beyond. one and part two, because that's, yeah. that's a death sentence. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't, yeah. Don't make yeah, movies with part one If you call it part one, one part people two. think, oh, it's not complete, like, and they don't see it. Yeah, and, unless you're like adapting a book, maybe. Don't, don't call it part one and part two. And, yeah. re- and release them a year or two apart. Don't do that. Mm. Um, anyway, we're we're done. Like we yeah, we're, <laughs> we, we're up to time. We, yeah. we talked about this shit for like an hour. And a half. <laughs> mm. I mean, I was I was distracted half the time because I was leveling up Pokemon. Mm. But now I've mm. got my whole team at level fifty-two, which I think is a fair a fair place to have them to fight the elite for mm. yeah because i think the only other topic i have that isn't really a topic is that because i'm working on in my campaign bringing back b47 the insane robot that believes it's batman um i'm building up to the reveal of melvin the joker character so i had to start practicing a joker laugh so i'm i'm working on making a joker laugh uh debating whether to do it on the podcast or not yeah it, it's it's got to be hard to do it like on purpose right because mm. like you... i feel like i i've i've started to reach the pitch but trying to carry it with the same like volume and intensity as like a mark hamill joker is yeah. difficult mark hamill's is amazing just because like when when he does like the really long like the ones that last like twenty seconds, yeah. like you can you can hear him like at at first he thinks it's legitimately funny, and mm. then he kind of slips into that mania, where it's like he's not laughing at whatever's happening, he's laughing at his own insanity. It's yeah, like I, I found uh, trying to reach the pitch, I have to get into like a mix of like the manic laughter, but also like. The kind of feeling like right before you're about to cry, that kind of screaming, crying-ish sound, I guess. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, now that I've brought it up, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Hopefully this comes out correctly, because I'm still practicing. I just started a few days ago. So, oh boy. here it goes. something like that yeah i didn't get a lot of the first part but i got the second and that was some very good Mm. cackling yeah i mean i had my head you know it's the kind of thing like you just instinctively tilt your head down when you start it so i don't know how well the microphone picked that up yeah like like you could probably like look up some um like if you're going off of Hamill's Joker, you could probably like look up some uh videos of him recording Joker lines. Mm. So yeah, I have, I have to figure lot. out just the voice for the character in a way that doesn't just sound like Elisa again, especially cuz it's a male character. So I shouldn't be trying to pitch up as much as I do when I talk in Elisa voice. Yeah. Yeah, because like especially if you're like trying to do the Joker, he, he usually like usually like in every animated 
version at least like he's got like he's got his um he's got his like theatric uh voice right where like mm. he's trying to like yeah like, he's got I'll, like a range of pitches yeah there's like a kind of light and fun sound but also it can dip into the deeper and more menacing yeah we're, we're like he's, whenever he's, he needs to punctuate a threat yeah he's, he's like gleefully talking about his plans to blow up a hospital or something and then uh then he just like looks like dire- directly sarcastic at sound yeah and then like he looks directly at somebody and then he he just like progressively goes deeper it's like <laughs> yeah yeah that's got to be hard following up, <laughs> like like to, just for like any actor, like trying mm. to do a Joker role. That's got to be hard following up Mark Hamill, right? Yeah, I mean, I think was it Troy Baker? I think is another one of the voices who's basically doing a Mark Hamill voice, but does good at that. Yeah, but like then the, you've got like like the the Joker from Batman: The Brave and the Bold. I think just sounded weird. Yeah, after so long with the Hamill style. Yeah, because he. Like, he was obviously trying to do more of, like, the 60s Batman, right? Like, he wasn't really yeah. trying to be the Hamill-type yeah, Joker. Less manic, more crime boss. Yeah. And there's, like, was it John DiMaggio from uh, Red Hood? Mm, yeah, yeah, he had one that was also more in that range. Yeah, like, he was... A, a serious crime boss kind of Joker. Yeah. Like, he wasn't really the point of the movie. Not until the end, yeah. anyway. So, I... I don't know. It... Th- that's what I mean. Like, John DiMaggio was a very good voice actor. But he, like... Following up Mark Hamill isn't, like, impossible. <laughs> mm. I think we're done ranting about the Joker. <laughs> yeah. No, we'll save that for... Uh, everywhere else on the internet where people can't shut up about the Joker. Oh, I meant I meant to watch the Batman, but I didn't. Oh, right. Yep, it's on HBO okay. Max. I've watched it twice since it came out on there, and it is... I like it a lot more being able to watch it at home. You know, when you're yeah. not tied to the screen the entire time, it's at, at worst a good background noise movie. Yeah, when you can pause between the second and third act and go use the bathroom. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You can pause it at any time. You don't have to, you know, feel like it's the only thing you can pay attention to. Yeah. Um, and so it it doesn't feel as long when you don't have to be looking at it all the time. Yeah. And and just like Paul Dano's Riddler is first time watching him is scary in how you know kind of gritty realistic he goes, but on repeat viewings he's kind of funny. Because he just does some, like, weird, quirky shit. And he's just got, like... When... Like, anytime he's unmasked, he's just got this, like, very innocent, smiling face. Even though he's such a fucked-up jigsaw psychopath. That it's just... I don't know, it's kind of funny. Yeah. If he's funny, they shouldn't call him the Riddler. They should call him something else. Call him the Joker. Oh, no, like the Trickster. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's, just, it's funny because the, like on Mabim Bam, they made fun of this one interview he did where he was talking about like, getting into character and how uh, 
his head feels so hot from getting into you know this basically he's talking about like because his character is so intense that you know like the rage he has to build up inside himself to get into that person but in bim bam they were just making it's like the riddles it's like all the riddles in my head just make my head so hot i don't know how to think straight (laughs) 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 yeah he's just he's very intense about his riddles See, I, you know how good Batman the animated series is. Whenever, like, I'm, I'm just gonna compare it to that Riddler, where like he's just a narcissist. Mm. Like his only goal is to like be smarter than Batman, and if he can't do that, he can't do anything. Yeah, oh, that's a good show. I wish I had time to watch that whole show, but it's like ninety episodes. So, yeah. My head is so hot, but I'm the No, don't think too hard about riddles. So it'll, it'll do bad things to you. I, I, I still get recommendations for a streetcar named These Nuts. Mm. Um, which like the entire I, episode or just the bit from the episode? No, just like um, fan animations of, of that, that bit. Hmm. And I, I I do watch it almost every time. Well, that's why you keep getting recommendations. <laughs> it's pretty funny. The algorithm knows you're going to click it. Yep, that's probably why um, they keep recommending it to me because I keep watching it. Yep. At some point, I should probably just listen to the podcast, but eh, I've got yeah. enough weekly shit to worry about watching. Even though yeah. I'm not really on obligated the one to hand, watch it. It's any like six hundred episodes. On the other hand, there's no plot, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Just jump in. Mm. And one episode where they're not talking about sex toys. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much anything past like four hundred. Yeah, I'm not talking about Is that toys. is that when the, the sex toy uh arc started? Well, the sex toy sponsor was in the earlier hundreds of episodes, I think. No, okay. It it, it hasn't been in the last you know few years. Darn. <laughs> How long has it been going? If it's at like six hundred episodes, that would be like twelve years. Yeah, I want to say it's twenty ten or twenty eleven. That's when wow. it started. Yeah. Got it. Older than the BT podcast, and it's still going. And yep. Fucking it's going get it longer together. than the BT website. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, I assume the BT website is dead. Uh, oh well, we have the so we have the power. Um, what was the blisteredthumbs.net? <laughs> uh, probably. Is the domain open for sale? Uh, apparently the Twitter is still a thing. Well, it exists. Okay, still posting new stuff? Or? 
No, I I sincerely doubt it. <laughs> Let's see. We're, we're, we're still recording. Yeah, we gotta wrap up soon. <laughs> you wanna know what's funny? Is it still posting? No. Oh, the temporary end of Blistered Thumb. <laughs> temporary, yeah. Oh, God. That was refused in, to admit that it died. Yeah, that was on January 16th of 2014. It's not dead, it's resting. Uh, square tones down, bravely default for the West. Mm. Criterion founders are leaving the studio behind. Oh no. Trailer (laughs) Trailer Palooza. I was frozen today edition. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, that's a certain Doug Walker joke from like ten, more than ten years ago. Yeah. Deadpool has been pulled from Steam, PSN, and Xbox Live. Oh, shit. Can you really not play that game anymore? I know I have the disc version, but I think... the Well, actually, I don't know. Like, I have the Xbox 360 disc version, and I think it's one of the ones that wouldn't install on the Xbox One, which is weird, because I think there is an Xbox One version of the game like a lot of you know like like spider-man shattered dimensions i know i can't install an xbox one even though i have the xbox 360 disc because some kind of licensing thing um so if deadpool is down it's probably some kind of like licensing agreement with marvel ran out that sucks because that game was apparently oh yeah it's it's really good Mm -hmm. it's like a fun adaptation of a comic book Especially, you know, it came out like 2012 or 13, so it was years before the Deadpool movie. Yeah. Wasn't that Nolan North? Yeah. Yeah. He was, so. He's a pretty good Deadpool, I think. Yeah, like the first two levels of it are a lot of fun Deadpool meta humor stuff, and then after that it turns into more like an X-Men game with some Deadpool humor. Because, like, you go to Genosha, and I think you have to fight Mr. Sinister, and... And stuff. Did you ever play the X-Men Origins Wolverine game? Nope. I, I, you know, kind of wanted to, but I think by the time I was buying Xbox 360 games, it was no longer available new, and the used copies were kind of pricey. Yeah. I, I never played the actual game. I just played the demo a lot. Um, and it was very fun and very bloody. Yeah. Mm. They, they definitely got away a lot with a lot more. Yeah, I played the um, X2 game on original Xbox. But... I, I played that too. Um, I couldn't get anywhere because I didn't know how to beat the Wendigo. <laughs> yeah. um, but I skipped that level, and then I couldn't beat any of the boss fights because I didn't know how how to but i i think i was pretty young at that time i was probably like 10 so Mm. and i probably only rented it so yeah Mm. we kind of just been been going like you want to just extend this to three hours and just keep bullshitting
I mean, that sounds like a lot of editing. Um, well, well, it's okay. But, I don't have to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess either way. Although it, it does seem like uh, we're also starting to reach the point where Discord's cutting out. So yeah, it is occasionally. We'll so we keep probably should going just going until Discord crashes completely. Um, all right, Jade, set me up for a D's nuts joke. Um. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I should Google it because my brain is shut down. My brain is completely shut down. I can't think of any. Um, That's all right. Um, set up for them. Do you have a setup for a Haiti or a, a D's nuts? Um, um, I did, but then you asked me and, and I lost it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. Hey Jade, um, yeah. what's your favorite uh, breast cup size? Is uh, it is it A's or D's? D cup. Yeah, these nuts. Yeah, <laughs> mm, I did it. Yeah, <laughs> got them. <laughs> yeah, I did it. it. Probably won't be the title. <laughs> That's fine. You can call the title something like. Uh, okay, so we should end the recording, or is there that's more? the worst way? To no, end the we'll just keep rambling. Um, okay. Well, you you can end the recording. I'm just going to keep rambling for a minute um, mm. about these nuts. Um, okay. What what about? These I shouldn't nuts? have said I would do that. Quick, cut the commercial. Our our, our sponsor this. We are sponsored this week by these nuts. <laughs> Brent, would you like to tell our listeners all about these nuts? Yes. Uh, we don't. We lost the ad copy. Sorry, these nuts. Uh, we'll, we'll just have to tell you about our personal experience with these nuts yeah. Um, yeah. from memory, from the so, heart. So the first time um, I had these nuts was when I was about twelve. <laughs> mm. You know, they just and dropped into my lap. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just did a really good joke. Uh, mm. <laughs> when I was 12, these nuts just dropped into my lap. <laughs> it took me a minute to catch it. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think we should just stop, like a cold stop, like in the middle of this sentence. Mm. You know, like you just decide when you want to cut. I'm just going to mm. keep recording. You just decide when you want to cut. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, we, we are a pretentious indie game now, so the listener is free to stop anytime they want. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you can always... Hitting the stop button is always an option. Yeah. Even though that's obviously not the designer intent. The designers put things in there to be found, but um, also to shame you for not hitting the stop button when you could always do that, and then you don't have to kill the yeah. character. But this podcast but you did, is like you heartless monster you let that baby <laughs> ride right into the flames because it was funny <laughs> this podcast is like spec ops the line the only way to win is to not play yeah all right we're going to we're going to actually stop now <laughs> mm. um i'm stopping my recording in the next like 5 seconds so just so you know jade Oh, that's that's a shame because I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> <laughs>
worst way to end a podcast. <laughs>